delighted to have Deb Schwartzkopf and David Pettibone um, this evening and all of you. Um, we've been really pleased to represent these artists for several years and um, Deb has offered to speak first, which is, which is great. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta follow up well. <laughs> but I think it, I think it would be neat, you know, to just kind of go over some things we were talking about when we were installing your show. Just like you're connecting to Alaska, and you know, and because now being based in Seattle, it's it's neat and it's rare that we actually do show somebody from outside. But it's because of that that connection. So maybe you could talk about that sure. briefly, and then yeah. yeah. Um, hi everyone, my name's Deb, and I'm really happy to be here. This is my first show in two years, <laughs> um, so it really feels extra special to be here, and especially um, meaningful because I did start working in clay here in Alaska. I was an undergraduate student at the University of Alaska in Anchorage in 99, 2000-2001. And I also worked for local potters. I worked for Chris Bliss and Peter Bronze. And it was just this incredible foundation for me. And um, I was also in an incredible group of students who many have gone on to be potters and continue to be great friends and a huge support in my life. So yeah, that's how I got started. And, then the other thing that's amazing is my first workshops were here in Homer at Anna's studio, Anna Iredale and Annette Bellamy's studio. And, you know, they were such incredible hosts. And I basically learned, like, what the best workshop in the world is like <laughs> um, because of their hosting and the incredible uh, artists that they had. And, I mean, so many profound experiences about incredible food and spending time outside were had here also and um, yeah so that's kind of the connection that I have to this place and this is my third show here and it's really fun to see who Asia pairs together and I've been really really thrilled to look up your work ahead of time and wow, they're incredible so thanks for showing with me and <clears throat> yeah what else should I talk about <laughs> um, now I live in Seattle um, but there were about 10 years where I bounced around from I was here for about four years in Alaska and then I lived in San Diego for a year then I lived in Pennsylvania for two years then I lived in Montana for two years, and then I lived in Ohio for one year, and then Massachusetts for one year, and then I moved back to Seattle. And um, all of that was different educational opportunities, different residencies, and then starting to teach, um, and then finally wanting to be close to my family again, and so moving back home. <clears throat> and now I've been back in Seattle for a little over 10 years, and I somehow managed to be able to buy a house, which is kind of unbelievable. It's a lot of cups and bowls. <laughs> and recently, this year, I started a small community art center. So, 
we have ceramics classes now, and I'm actually really happy to be traveling with two of my favorite staff members, Annika and Haley. You want to raise your hands? <laughs> um, so they're a really big part of helping that studio thrive through helping manage the flow of the studio and marketing um, like outreach to the community to let them know that we exist and that they should sign up so I can pay the mortgage. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my latest endeavor. So my studio time has um, gotten smaller. I gave myself a year to really dig into this new community center project and get it vital and running without giving myself guilt trips about not being in the studio all the time. Um, but thankfully, about four weeks ago, I got COVID. <laughs> and I actually got to spend a whole week in the studio. It was so awesome. And some of these pots are from that time, and some of them are from saving them over time because every single show I had had was canceled, and every workshop was canceled like everybody else in the world. So. Um, so this is a mixture of work that I've saved special for shows and some of it newer from my like glimpse back into the studio which was really special and now I feel like I can go back into the studio and just work for a couple hours like I kind of re-got my momentum and so that's a really nice feeling too. Mm, great. Yeah. Are there any questions or should I talk about something else? So which pieces were the ones that you just, were the COVID pieces? The COVID pieces, <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them are mixed. COVID like inspired. this tray, not the bottle and cups, is new um, because the first three that I made cracked. <laughs> so I just had to keep going, um, keep making them so that I would get one that would turn out. Um, the Some of the cups are like this one and a few of the other ones are from my brand new soda kiln. I just built a soda kiln. I've only fired it twice. Um, each time has been a pretty intense learning experience. Still, we're adjusting a lot of things in the kiln to get it to be even. So some of them, like this one, this one, and oh, that red honey jar, and one of that more golden cup over there are from the soda kiln. Um, some of them I had bisqued but not glazed, and so some of them like I made earlier but just glazed. Um, yeah, this one is one that I've been saving to have in a show for a while. I haven't gotten a chance to show it before, and these pieces are really fun for me, but anything that I hand build that has you know 10 or more parts usually cracks, so when they do come out of the kiln, they're a rarity. Um, and they're something that I make usually when I have extra time, which doesn't happen very often. So I really enjoy um, working on sets and complex things, but they're more of a labor of love. So. The glazes are really beautiful. Right? Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Almost all of these are cone six electric in an electric kiln. They're they're made in a glorified toaster oven. <laughs> I actually, I love it. I really started um, doing salt firing and in reduction cone 10 firing, which I love. Um, but through the process of setting up my own studio, I needed something that was more accessible. And it's a lot easier in a city to hook up an electric kiln than to get a gas permit or a gas line permit. So uh, probably... 10 years ago, I started firing in an electric kiln and just do a lot of layering of 
glazes to get a richer palette, and that's what most of these are. What about your your farms are so architectural to me? You know, like they feel they they remind me of um, complex human structures, and I wonder what sort of things you like to look at or have influenced you in that regard. Yeah, um, I I would say that some of them are more inspired by a certain function like the honey jars, I keep bees, and I really enjoy trying to use the things that I would supply the contents for, you know, like making a certain type of bowl because you like making bread or, you know, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so those are somewhat motivated by that, but I also love looking at boats and the different cantilevered parts that hang off, or um, they're also different. Um, these ones, I started looking at these parts, especially um, kind of reminiscing about living in Alaska, the way that the snow forms a cornice at the edge of the mountain. Um, and a lot of the kind of speckled markings were inspired by the way that flowers get um, dappling on them, but also the way that trout have that on their back. And I like studying how, <clears throat> like, the fish is darker from the top and that protects it from the bird, and it's whiter from the belly and it protects it from the bigger fish. I mean, that kind of thing. I just think it's interesting. And I like trying to bring some of that into my work. <clears throat> but other shapes like these, where they're more asymmetrical, um, I've enjoyed studying different architects, um, especially Frank Gehry, and the, um, there's a building in Seattle that he made. Um, it used to be called the EMP building, but now it's, it's something else. <laughs> but I love walking around it, and I don't even think it's a building he's particularly proud of, but I think it's interesting to think about experiencing space and functional forms have a really amazing tradition and in some cases that tradition allows them to fit into life into a in a way that we almost don't notice like they're so comfortable and so a part of our life and I love that about pottery that we get to live with it and I also want some of the shapes I make to kind of surprise people so that they, they, like they worm their way in with their comfort, but then they surprise you with something that um, maybe just you haven't seen before. So, and I think a lot of architects do that too, where you know doors are almost always square. But um, like I was just walking by a house. I can't remember which house because we've been looking at so many things. But it had this really beautiful elongated kind of oval around the door and it just made me look more than once and I like to try to do that with my shapes. Thank you so much. Jeff. Yeah, thank you. Really, um, it's really neat to see what you've done since um, you were in Homer. I mean, these are works 
David, you know, was living in Homer for some years and moved back up to Eagle River area. And so these new works show a lot of different kinds of um, adventure and growth, and that's really exciting to see this new body of work. Yeah, so these, um, there are a few that are from Homer when we, when we lived in Homer. We moved, my wife and I and our daughter moved um, last October. Um, and I, I feel like there is, in a sense, there is a, a real shift just in subject matter. Um, there's, the self-portrait was done here up on the hill. Um, the, behind the cabin we were living in, there was a, a bark beetle, spruce, spruce beetle kill. And um, the, the trees were covered in snow, the ones that had, had fallen, and just this light was coming down. I would bring my dog out in the back, and, um, and it just, after a while, it just seemed like such a, a wonderful place to, to paint because the whole area was just illuminated. Same with the, the tree back there, um, covered in snow, same location. Um, so a lot of these places uh, were painted because I had happened by them more than once, and the thing, whatever it was, caught my eye more than once um, as I go about my day. Um, and eventually I, I get around to painting them, like the, um, the pile of spruce branches. I watched what it looks like in the winter with the low, um, the low winter light um, covered in snow, and I watched what it looks like in the fall and in the spring, um, and ended up doing this painting right before we left. We've been up there for two years, up on the, that cabin. Um, all of these are painted um, from life or um, in plain air. So um, I think um, all artists sort of come to their, um, their process uh, on their own. Um, and it's unique to each artist. And, and of course, that process changes as, as, you, as you develop, um, if you're doing it right. Um, and plain air for me is a part of what's important to, um, to my painting. Uh, and I will do narrative works, like my last show here was narrative uh, pieces. But I'm always going back to these, these uh, plain air works, um, paintings from life. There's an opportunity that I find when working from life. Um, I can keep the painting open, and as the sun changes, as the, the clouds change, as, as um, the model shifts, uh, new opportunities uh, show themselves. So I, I can, I was talking with my friend Steve here, it's kind of like Tetris, you, you, like you, you fit these things that they, they fit in, and as the sun moves, those blocks start coming down faster and faster, and it becomes this, this, um, this very engaging process to paint. Um, and then we moved, we, went, we moved to uh, Wasilla, sort of right now we're in sort of this industrial um, complex that the, the white truck painting is the view out my front door um, and then the big painting to the right of that is um, our sort of backyard bog um, and the, the house on the left we live on the top floor um, our, our friend's place so moving to Wasilla um, I don't want to say that uh, that this was a thing that I 
that I planned um, uh, too much, but it, a lot of it was, was I, I'm always exploring the connection between nature and, um, and, and us. And um, this, especially moving to Wasilla, that became my reality. You, know, you go into, into the trees and there's a, a bucket under the bushes, right? Um, so there is a theme with the exception of maybe two, two, two paintings in here where um, the element of, um, of the human touch, sort of a domesticated nature um, is, is present. Um, and I, I've kind of wanted to keep that out of my work at the beginning, but I find something um, something intriguing. I don't. I wouldn't say it's it's optimistic or a pessimist, but, but there's something intriguing about finding the architecture within the, the natural landscape or the, the discarded bucket within the natural landscape. Um, yeah. It's definitely. That's. I think that's that's pretty much it for what I was thinking about with these. Another, just really quick. Um, thing that I'm thinking about whenever I'm doing these paintings is the, the brushstroke. Um, and being able to, I, I don't always achieve this, but I, I, my favorite paintings are paintings that um, show, they allow the paint to remain the abstract material. And at the same time, they, in areas, they come together to create the, the illusion space. So it's this fine, this fine line um, that's, that's walked, and you can always go over um, too far one way or the other. So that's usually, well, almost always, what I'm thinking about when I'm doing my paintings. Hi. Um, I used to draw when I was a kid, and as a young adult, actually. Um, I never stuck with it. I'm artistic today, but in other areas. But what, one of the things I found was that um, I did not do well drawing other people or landscapes or anything. But if I drew someone that I knew and loved, mm -hmm. it always came out beautifully. Mm. And I was very attracted to your self-portrait. Mm. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And my question for you is, how did you feel about, is that your only self-portrait? No, I, I do self-portraits. Okay. How do you feel when you're doing a self-portrait? about yourself, mm -hmm. about what, like the connection there. Yeah. Because you're actually connecting with yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and you really caught it. You really oh, thank caught you. it. Thank you. So my question is, how do you feel about doing that? I find self-portraits um, difficult uh, because, um, you know, you have your own view of yourself, and no one else is going to have that same view. Um, I have. I see myself a certain way, and, and everybody else sees me differently. In fact, I find that um, painting loved ones, I have a harder time than painting people I don't know. Um, so it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think because there's a, um, a connection that gets built up, your view of that person um, gets built up, and um, it's so specific to them. So. Uh, if something's slightly off, um, or if somebody else has a different relationship with that person, they might not see what, what you see. 
Um, so it's the same with the self-portrait. Um, I'll do self-portraits and I'll think um, in my head I've, I've, I've nailed it and um, you know I show it to other people and they say you look like you're like you know an old grandpa. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Thank you for, for, for bringing that up. Um, so the last show that I had here, um, which I think was two years ago, um, was a show of narrative works. And um, for me, I do these, these studies from life, on these paintings from life. And then I do these narrative works where um, the theme is more important than the process. So I, I, it, with these, the, the process is, is the most important thing. I, I'm fulfilled from, from doing it the way I like to do it. And then the paintings, they go out into the world and, and move on. But with the narratives, it's usually a, a message that I feel strongly about. And um, that's when I, I'll bring in different references. I'll work from, from life, from photos, from imagination, all within the same painting. Um, and they, at least in my head, they, they're very different um, works. I'd love, this, this one actually is my, kind of my first at, recent attempt to tie it together by bringing the figure into the landscape um, and having the models pose out um, in, the, in the landscape. Um, so I've just started to move in that direction where I can bring in the elements that I like from the narrative works into my, um, my observational paintings. So in, is, it, it, uh, is it like in the messaging you're trying to? For the narratives, it's mm -hmm. the messaging. It's mm -hmm. the, um, it, it borders on illustrative, probably. Um, I did a series on um, the whaling up in Ukiabek. Um, so it, it's figurative and um, lots of photos took while I was up there and kind of pieced them all together in the painting. Um, and then this last series was, um, was uh, the environment was the, the main theme. So um, photos that I took, photos that I found, I hired models, I set things up. Yeah. I was wondering uh, what you're looking at like, historically, because I was thinking like, like the existentialist, like Frederick Church or something, and have like a big vista and have like Look close to this little railroad down there, or something, a little smokestack, or something, or, mm -hmm. or even like before that, like romantics, they'd have like a crumbling temple or like mm -hmm. some other man made thing, like mm -hmm. in nature. Like it's either nature's taking it over or we're mm -hmm. taking over the nature or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I, um, I, I love churches paintings. Um, I, moving in the direction that I'd like to move, I, I feel like that one of my wife and, and our daughter yeah. um, is more along that lines where there, there's nature and then there's a little figure within nature. Um, I'd like to come to a place where the landscape and the figure have equal importance. It's not the landscape as a background and it's not that the figure is stuck in the landscape. Um, and I've had a hard time finding, um, there are, certainly are paintings out there, but there, there aren't many. Um, 
just in terms of landscape painters, Constable, I really love um, Constable's work, his texture with his, his brushwork. Um, was uh, the Russian landscape painters, especially the Impressionists. Um, Levitan is, I, I love his work. Um, and for a lot of these Wasilla ones, especially the, the water back there, um, I had Levitan in the, in the back of my head for, for that painting. Any contemporary painters that? Yeah, yeah, I have a whole slew of them on my Instagram feed. <laughs> um, I was listening to James Gurney talk. Um, so part of the problem, and I and I do, I I follow contemporary painters all the time, and I and I'll see things that I I like, and I'll try them out in my own work, and I'll, I'll move in different directions. Um, but James Gurney mentioned that um, he's a, a, a painter, a landscape painter and an illustrator, that part of the danger is you're always pursuing the next fad um, with these, with, with, by focusing primarily on um, your, your, um, your cohorts, you know, your, your contemporaries. Um, and so, um, looking back to painters that have um, kind of existed in the past and their work remains relevant, um, there's something to that. But yeah, um, I'm racking my, my brain for the names right now. But yeah, but, yeah there's Are plenty any in this there. room. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve Gordon, right? Yeah. Uh, certainly. Um, 